Welcome, I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. I will share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. So if you are ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey everyone, welcome back. All right, this week we're talking about ring nerves, or performance anxiety, or those little butterflies that run around in your stomach and you wonder when they started doing steroids. Um, you know, ring nerves, being nervous, performance anxiety, whatever you call it, is a, obviously a super common thing that people come to me um, needing help, right? Because one of the unique things about our sport is that anything we feel, any emotion, good, bad, anger, sadness, whatever it is, it runs down the leash, right? That's our phrase as handlers. It runs down the leash, meaning that anything we feel, our dogs are going to notice. They are insanely perceptive. They read our minds seemingly all the time. You know, they're reading our body language, our pheromones, our, you know, even our hormone levels, right? Because what we're going to talk about in a minute, like we get, when you get nervous, it actually evokes a fear response. And when we are in fear, we are flooding our body with hormones. Uh, so in, in other words, we're giving it away. We think we're holding it together. <laughs> maybe we do, maybe we don't. We think we're holding it together, but our dogs pick up on everything. And sometimes their perceptiveness, I guess, uh, I'm not sure that's a word, um, really can get in the way of their ability to perform because now all of a sudden they feel this intensity or nervousness or just like flood of emotions from us that they don't really recognize. They're not used to seeing it, feeling it. They certainly don't see it in practice or, you know, lessons or whenever. And so it kind of freaks them out too. Um, a long time ago, I did a call with a favorite communicator and she said, she's like, yeah, when you get nervous, like outside the ring, she's like, you're basically telling your dog that like, I mean, these are my words, they weren't hers at the time, but you're basically telling your dog that like, we should be very afraid of what's going to happen when we walk in that ring, right? There might be dragons in there. So you're standing there outside the ring, like imagine the scenario, we've all been there, you're on deck or you're next to go or you're a couple dogs away and you get more and more nervous and you get more and more concerned. And the dog is like, oh my God, what is going to happen? Like imagine, right? You can't, t you're not telling them anything. So the only information they're getting is like the closer it is to your turn, the more nervous you're getting. And so if we think about that, we're only telegraphing that down the leash with kind of no other context. Um, yeah, I guess that's why sometimes we get in our own way and really can screw up a performance uh, by just our mental state and our, which becomes an emotional state and becomes our performance state. And those things are really obviously intertwined. They're not even closely related. They're just like so layered and mishmashed and intertwined that they become one. So we really need to figure out, obviously, <laughs> how to get a handle on our ring nerves and what to do with them. 
Okay. So for a brief second, because there are other podcasts on there on this, but like for a brief second, I'm going to remind everybody kind of what happens when we get nervous. If we are just like your basic kind of nervous, okay, um, we're excited, but we're nervous and, you know, we're just kind of a little more amped um, and a little more focused on, I don't know, really trying or really wanting something or whatever. Um, what can happen is if we aren't aware and we sort of let that snowball, it becomes in our body, um, our response looks the same, whether we are fearful, right, which that, you know, kind of anxiety can turn into fear or excited, which is very interesting. And in either case, we are, we go into this very heightened response and if our brain is told, like our, our frontal part, the front, frontal lobe, the front part of our brain looks at a situation and is like, eee, you know, and sends a message to the midbrain that says, should we be afraid? I think we should. And or should we, we should be worried. And then that triggers your rear brain or your amygdala, otherwise known as like your primitive brain or your, even your lizard brain. And that is the part of the brain that is responsible for all of those involuntary responses. Uh, like breathing, for instance, like it's, so it's kind of an important part of the brain. And what it does when you when the midbrain has said, yeah, hey, you know, primitive brain, we need to be worried about this. Your your primitive brain goes, got it. And it starts doing all the things. It starts making your your lungs breathe faster. It starts makes making your heart breathe faster. It floods your body with hormones. It set it diverts blood flow up to 30% away from your brain and to your big muscle groups. Because we are deep by DNA, anthropologically wired, designed, etc., to be really cued into and responsive when we come across fear, right? The bear is chasing me, okay? Like I am fearful. And so it is a, an anthropological response to do those things because we might need to run. And if we need to run, we need our heart pumping and our lungs going and our, the blood flow in our you know, big muscle groups. And we need those hormones to just make us go, right? And there's a few other things that happen, but those are kind of the big ticket items, let's say. So what's fascinating to me is that response can also, is, is, can also really be a lot like excitement. So what's really cool is once we get some awareness about what's happening, and that's everything, right? Awareness is everything. Because once we're aware, we can make different choices. But sometimes it gets away with the, from us, rather, before we can become aware. So that's what this is about, right? We want to build some awareness. Anyway, what in that moment, you actually can tell your brain or have some awareness that says, well, wait, am I nervous or am I just excited? And there have been many studies about the fact where they tell one group just to say, hey, when you get nervous, just tell yourself, I'm really excited. And there were, you know, they hooked them up to the little brain things and the, you know, brain stickies, right? All, the, as all those electrodes, as I call them, the brain stickies. And they found that in the brain, it looked the same. And the people who told themselves that they were just excited you know, performed better, felt better, and were able to get more control of their, um, their nervous system, right? Their, um, their sympathetic response. And um, so the thing that happens to us sometimes is when we get nervous, if we don't catch it, 
that's when it starts to snowball a little bit. And people who get extremely nervous, like I would say performance anxiety, they can have, I mean, I've had people report back to me that like they don't even remember what they did. They don't remember part of the course. They don't remember like, you know, a whole section or something, or they just remember coming out of the ring or whatever. And they like really don't remember. And they're like, how can that be? Well, easy. You literally diverted 30% of your blood flow away from your brain, which really obviously, don't have to spell it out, right? Diminishes the, your ability to think through it and to kind of stay present and stay in the moment and do what you have to do, okay? So I could go on. I have gone on before. Go find other podcasts about... Um, about fear, I'll put some um, some episode numbers in the show notes for you uh, because it is. I think it is fascinating, and and why I think it's important to know what happens is, first of all, you're not you didn't lose your mind, right? You didn't lose your mind. You didn't black out. This is actually physi- your physiology, mine too, everybody's, and it is just how we are wired. And so, getting control of our physical self is important too because we need to tell our bodies physically that we are safe, that there in fact is not a bear chasing us, that in fact, if we make a mistake in the ring, no one will die. Um, we are not trying to solve world peace here. And um, it's just, you know, it's just another run. Okay. And so we can actually do that through breathing, um, through some grounding exercises, it's very simple mechanisms, which is great news. And even if we take a deep breath, like maybe two or three deep breaths at the ring, you are telling your body, hey, I got this. I'm so in control that I can take over breathing, which is this involuntary thing that I do, but I can be in control of it. I can slow down. I can take the deep breath. I can hear myself think. I can do this. And that is a major signal to your body that you are okay. And it helps to reset your sympathetic nervous system and kick your parasympathetic nervous system into gear and have it respond and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're okay. We're cool. Life's cool. Yeah. A couple more deep breaths. We're ready to go. We got this, right? So not to spend, again, the whole podcast on how fear works in our body, but I think it's really important to realize that if you have felt like you couldn't think, you forgot the course, you lost, uh, you, you did something stupid, you made like a, the dumbest handler error you've ever made, you've never done that before, you know, whatever, whatever, there's actually scientific reasons why that could have happened. Okay, for real, for real. So, But what we want to do and what this podcast is about is like, why does it happen and how can I like make it simmer down? All right. And I just really feel like I need to give that kind of physiological fear context so that we don't have to spend the next few minutes on that piece. Okay. And you can go dive in deeper because I thought it was fascinating. And I think that anything we can name, we can start to get control over And that's how I feel about like that fear response in our body. It's something we can get control over. All right. So why do we get that way in the first place? Like what in the absolute F happens that we get that way, even when we think we shouldn't? Or I I know that sometimes when I get that way, it's kind of catches me off guard uh, because and then I 
luckily am aware enough to be like, oh, why, why do I, what's, what's happening here? What's, what, what is it that has me feeling nervous, even though I'm going to tell myself I'm excited. And by the way, sometimes I am, and that actually really works. (laughs) And furthermore, since we are doing it with our canine partners, we need to remember to involve them. Like there have been times that I have said to each of my dogs, um, I'll, I'll feel the feelings, recognize that I'm getting nervous or I'm getting amped up in a way that I don't feel as productive. And I will literally look at my dog and be like, oh, I guess I'm like really excited today. Like, sorry about that. Like, I don't know. I just, I just run, I'm excited to be here. I want to have a good time. And I start like explaining myself to my dog (laughs) and I know we've all done it so I don't feel I feel no shame in sharing that Um, but I find that in doing that I'm naming it I'm talking it out and I'm involving them and telling them that hey you know what it's good it's all good there are no dragons in that ring mom's just getting a little bit in her head I'm getting a little bit excited sorry about that thanks And then I go kind of into that routine that I have, which is like, you know, doing a couple things. It's always the same last things before I walk into any ring for any performance. And it helps ground me. And I take a few deep breaths and I start to feel my my toes and my shoes again. And off we go. Okay, so um, I think that's really important to have that. And I think like as you're driving, hopefully maybe to a trial this weekend, you start to think about, well, what is my routine and how can I make sure that I'm grounded and involving my dog? And if I start to feel nervous or excited or anxious or any of the feelings, how can I explain and involve my dog and be like, hey, it's good. I didn't just disconnect from you. Sorry, went off in my head there for a second. I'm back. Nothing to worry about. I just, you know, got a little too excited or whatever, right? So think about your your routines and think about how you can involve your dog in that. Okay, back to why this happens in the first place. Um, Okay, there's a few buckets. I'm not going to be able to identify every little reason that a person might get nervous or might feel all the feelings. But there are some kind of common buckets. And the first, of course, is fear of failure. All right. We don't want to mess up. We don't want to screw up. You know, every chance that we get to walk to the line with our dogs is this wonderful gift. And, um, you know, not getting too depressing. um, uh, But, you know, shit happens. Stuff goes wrong. And, you know, we don't know that, you know, we have another chance. And sometimes we put that pressure on. And then sometimes we say, you know what, it doesn't matter what we have. We've got another chance. I'm entered tomorrow or things like that. So, but logic isn't always present. (laughs) And so sometimes that fear of failure gets very big. And because we're really trying to do well in that moment for whatever reason. And sometimes I notice that sometimes um, certain events certain classes, certain weekends, maybe it's your specialty, maybe it's, you know, a national event or something like that where you qualified for. So sometimes we put extra meaning on things and then we are even more afraid to make a mistake or quote fail or NQ or something like that, right? We really want it for whatever reason, we really want it and it's really important. But when we start to focus on the, the fear and being afraid to fail, we're focused on failure. I mean, that's really what we're focused on, right? Because being afraid to fail says, well, I'm afraid I'm going to do 
this, that, or the other, or not do this, that, or the other. So it kind of messes up our focus because it shifts our focus into, you know, the things that can go wrong instead of all the things that can possibly go right. Okay, so fear of failure, that's a big one. The next one is pressure, and pressure can come from yourself internally, right? So similar in that you're putting pressure on yourself because it's a big event or it's somehow really important or what have you, or it can be external. Um, maybe your breeder is there that week or, and watching you, or you know maybe the peanut gallery is watching, or maybe that toxic person that you absolutely you know wish wasn't watching the ri- at the ring is watching at the ring, right? And so sometimes the pressure is real. Um, you know, you really do put pressure on yourself. I know I do. And uh, sometimes maybe a spouse or something can be putting pressure on you. Um, or sometimes it's perceived. But even like the people standing outside the ring, like I, I'm, I, people are always like, oh, but people are watching. And I'm like, yes, but they're, they're looking, but they're not really internalizing your run, right? And people are like, don't believe me, <laughs> right? But for the most part, if you think about it, I mean, I was, I was recounting something I was, I don't know, at an agility trial the other weekend. And I was like, mm, let's say three dogs out. And I just happened to look up and saw something in the ring. Like the person was doing like, you know, the thing that, that we do a lot where we'll be like, I'm just going to do like five jumps and then leave the ring. You're right. She's obviously working on it. And I looked up because I'm paying attention to how fast the line is moving in front of me. How much more time do I have? I.e., do I have enough treats in my hand? And, um, and I looked up to see that. And what I, what I think people do is what I did in that moment, which is I noticed. I noticed that that person was just doing a few jumps and then leaving the ring. But right now, I mean, this is a place where I trial at a lot. And so I know the people in the area couldn't tell you who it was. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you who it was. Couldn't tell you if I was surprised or not. Couldn't tell you how, anything about it other than I remember noticing that she was doing that, right? And I also, I do remember thinking like, oh, good for her. She's obviously working on something, right? And that was it. That was it. So people see you, they notice you, but they're not really watching you. They're not really evaluating you for the most part. Of course, there are exceptions, but I bring this all up because I think it goes in the category of perception. Sometimes we think people are really caring or into our runs more than they might be or watching or so forth. So if that is one of your sensitivities, your triggers, um, think about that. Just kind of entertain. Be curious about like, well, is that really true or is that my perception of it? Okay. So pressure, internal and external pressure. And then finally, you know, focusing on the outcome. I mean, I think that the whole reason to get nervous in the first place is because we're trying to get a particular result. We're trying to cue, or even if we're just going in and we're just trying to work on the weaves, or we're just trying to get the figure eight right in obedience or something, something, or even just trying to snag a low score and rally just to be done with a title, right? Um, There's a whole bunch of things that um, are outcome-based, results-based, that when we focus on the result, we really stop thinking about all the things we have to do in order to get to that result. Or like I say, usually, to put ourselves in a position to get the result, right? So in other words, if I go into an obedience ring, there's a lot of stuff I have to do right before I can even think about queuing, 
you know. And in that ring, you know, there's somebody, you know, with a sharp pencil standing there, you know, making some determinations whether or not I passed or failed a particular exercise or got enough points to be able to get through that exercise, right? So there's a lot at stake there that I don't control. Um, yet if I'm outcome focused, I'm not really thinking about the things I do control and I'm not really thinking about what I need to nail or what I, where I need to put my focus or how connected I need to be to my dog. Um, again, in order to put me in a position to do well. So I think those are really the three, again, these are giant buckets. I could probably do hours on each bucket, but fear of failure, pressure that comes maybe from internal or external sources, and then finally focusing on the outcome. All right. So great. Big deal. We know where it comes from. Uh, Let me take a quick break and we're going to talk about what to do about it. All right, I promise to make this super quick, but I've got to tell you what's going on in the Q membership. Each month we tackle a different theme. In April, for instance, we took a look at our program from what we feed to how we train. In July and August, the members are basically beta testing an entire masterclass on performing under pressure. And the last week of every month, we have a Zoom a group coaching call where we talk about the theme of the month, but we also get personal in terms of, you know, if there's a challenge that one of the members is facing that they want to talk about. The link to the membership is always in the show notes and there's a monthly and annual option. If you choose the annual, please be sure to put in the code QPODCAST, all one word, at checkout to get an additional month for free. Just my gift for listening. And don't forget, when you sign up, you get access to all the content going all the way back to April 2021, so you can binge to your heart's content. All right, enough about that. Let's get back to the show. All right, now that we know where it comes from, this pesky, these pesky ring nerves and performance anxiety, now let's figure out what we can do about it. So, of course, it all comes down to awareness, all right? We cannot fix what we do not know is happening, all right? So, to know that you get nervous, but to not understand why, if that is where you are in this moment, totally fine. Um, but I need you to sort of like take some notes. I'm not going to, you don't have to journal some big, you know, you know, seven page single space college ruled sort of situation. Um, but make some notes in your dog journal or your dog calendar as I usually use. I just use like the little squares and like the monthly calendar. Like I make notes, but they're not, there's like three words or something. And I think it's important to know like, hey, I was really nervous on Saturday, but actually I actually mellowed out on Sunday. That's interesting. I wonder if first day jitters or something. I should be curious and wonder if that's a trend. So I need you to practice becoming more aware of your feelings and what happens as a result. Okay. Because to some extent, I think that um, how we feel and our energy and our focus, it's a little bit of a Goldilocks problem, meaning, you know, not too little, not too much, but you want to find your sweet spot. You want to find that just right sweet spot where you can really perform. You know, for instance, I, if, if I, if there's no pressure, if I'm too casual, Oh, I'm terrible. (laughs) I make all kinds of mistakes. I just can't do it. I need a certain amount of 
intensity maybe is the word. I'm not really sure. And it's not nerves. It's just a certain amount of intensity, but can't be too much. Otherwise I put too much pressure on me, on my dog, on the moment. I get, you know, too fixated, too, like just too intense, right? And again, it doesn't necessarily even have to be nerves. It just can be intense. And yet if I'm too casual, that's not good either. So I need you to sort of develop an awareness about how you're feeling and how it impacts your performance, because I think that's really going to be some, some clues. Um, and we could go on about this too. Um, and actually, if you're interested in a pressure class, I just launched through Clean Run, a performing under pressure online self-guided yada yada course uh, that would be really good for that. So just a little like self um, self plug there. Um, but um, just you got to start to notice because then you can start to put some pieces together and you'll have a better picture. OK, and look for those trends and and really get into it. OK, meanwhile, while you're doing that. One of the areas I need you to develop awareness is, is is in your body. I need you to remember and understand like how you feel or at least maybe how extreme, maybe, maybe you rate it from a one to a 10 or something, how intensely you are feeling your ring nerves or your anxiety, right? Did it cause you to forget the course? Are you just beside yourself? You can barely focus on your dog or are you, you know what? I was a little amped up. I was a little like you know, um, a little nervous, a couple butterflies just felt like, you know, like I was really like focused or whatever. Well, okay. Well, maybe you learn where your sweet spot is by doing that. But you also can learn in through that body awareness. If you start to feel that you've really gone into that kind of performance anxiety zone, that you're probably not breathing very well. You're, you're all those fear things are kicking in, right? Your blood flow is changing. Your heart's beating faster. Um, you, that part of the reason people get nauseated or feel nauseous, um, is that the blood, because it's going to your big muscle groups, those, um, those ones that allow you to run from said bear, um, it, it diverts blood flow away from your stomach. And that is literally part of the reason that you feel nauseous is your blood flow is, is less than it normally is. So again, a physiological response to that fear, that those nerve, that nervousness, right? So start to be aware about that. And when you start to feel anything, make yourself stop and at least take several really good breaths. Tell yourself you're fine, you're excited, you know, kind of divert yourself. But you've got to get aware of like where you're feeling those nerves in your body so that you can catch them faster and earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier so that they never snowball. Okay, getting a hold because I think getting a hold of that is really key because sometimes if if your fear, your anxiety is so bad, you can become afraid to become afraid. Right. Or you can start to fear getting nervous or fear getting that anxiety. And then that's another layer that we have to kind of work through. Right. So start to build that body awareness. Okay. the next thing is. I want you to really ask yourself, like, um, especially in the kind of the fear of failure department, what are you really afraid of? Like, what are you really afraid of? Like, what happens if you mess up in the ring? Like, what happens if you, you know, mess up your footwork and obedience or you miss your side change and agility or, or your dog 
decides that today's the day they're launching off the dog walk, right? Um, like what, what are you afraid of? What is it that um, is out that you feel like is out of your control that is has you all tied up in knots? All right. Because again, self-awareness is key. We got to know where it's coming from before we can really fix it or apply any logic to it. And when we get really amped up, you know, the logic goes out the window because again, the brain isn't really thinking in the front of its brain, in the frontal lobe where all of that reasoning and planning occurs. It's thinking with its instincts, you know, it's thinking survival. So again, awareness, 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 but I need to do that exercise that is like, what's in my control and what's not in my control? Because what's not in my control is how the judge is going to call my dog walk or how they're going to score my figure eight or anything else that I'm working on. What is in my control is my preparation, my attitude, you know, how I'm going to, you know, try to do a really good job, like controlling my breathing today or, you know, what whatever you're working on. Those things are in your control, okay? And I think that'll help you kind of really kind of put the pieces together of like, what is your trigger then? Like what sends you over the edge? You were like all fine and then all of a sudden X happened and you, you know, went to, you know, DEFCON, I guess it is DEFCON 1 is the worst one. You went to DEFCON 1. Like what is that that was your trigger, right? So whether it's in your body or whether it's something that happens internally, aware, aware, aware. What is it that you, um, that's getting to you? Okay. All right. Um, the part of is related before we even go to um, kind of the antidote for outcome goals. I think the other thing that's really important is really defining. We talked about this the other week, really defining like what success looks like for you. Like what's successful? You know, if you can't think of, if it can't be a cue or, you know, cause I, cause I quote, won't let you, <laughs> I won't let you define success in that ring as having a cue. Like what does successful look like? What will a successful run, you know, trip, whatever look like for you? And then obviously very closely related. Once you know that now you can start to have some process goals. And, you know, the anecdote to focusing on outcome goals is to focus on the process, right? To focus on the process, focus on the connection, focus on the things you can control and the things you need to do in order to put yourself into position of queuing. Um, You can do everything right, for instance, in agility and get a bad call on a contact. It's out of your control. Did you do everything right? What does success look like? Yes and yes. Um, and um, I've also gotten a cue when I know I blew that A-frame contact and um, also out of my control. But, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes the uh, house is with you, right? So think that through, okay? So, all right. So those are your to-dos, all right? It's, it's some of those things are simple but difficult right? Um, they're simple anecdotes or antidotes, uh, but they are difficult to remember to execute. And the reason I harp, maybe, maybe I'm harping, maybe I'm nagging, maybe I'm just bugging you, um, with all of this talk about our bodies and what's happening in our bodies is because sometimes we don't even realize we're getting nervous. Our dogs probably know before we do, but sometimes we really don't realize we're getting nervous until we feel something in our stomachs or until like some people get a headache um, or until we start to be like, oh, my breathing or oh, oh, there it is. Like that's where I'm feeling. So sometimes that's the first awareness sign. 
And so, but like I said, the more we can become in tune with our body and the more we become in tune with our emotions and how we're feeling, the earlier we can realize it and the sooner we can redirect it. Because really, we want to redirect that energy. Either we need it to go find something else to do, (laughs) right? Because the truth is, if you have extra energy in the form of ring nerves or too much caffeine or whatever it is, your energy is going to go somewhere. But what you want is for it to go where you want it to go, right? You want it to go in your thinking capacity. You want to use that space for good or, you know, finding that Goldilocks, that perfect zone of performance for yourself, right? Is That, that is unique to you, like you, mine and yours and the next person down the line. We all have our very different zones. I need a little bit of intensity in order to perform. It's just, it's kind of, it's just me, Um But what I need and what someone else enjoys or can perform best on are absolutely not the same. Okay, but it all starts with awareness. My broken record yet, and uh, and your body's going to give you some early signs that you can then go ah there it is. I know what to do about it. Okay, all right. I that's kind of a jam packed um, episode there. So I hope this is helpful to you. And like I said, if you are interested in diving deeper on this, um, I have a couple courses on clean run, but I did just launch a new one called uh, performing under pressure. And they have clean run now has um, like an online you know, digital learning, like a lot of places and, uh, check it out because it is really good about like dealing with pressure and more exercises and things to do. Um, so check it out. And if you do, let me know how you like it or what I can improve on because I am all about the feedback. And speaking of that, don't forget if you have a subject you want me to tackle on this podcast, let me know. I'm always taking requests. And with that, I will sign off and hope you are going to have a fantastic week with your dogs. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. I would love it if you found me on Instagram or Facebook at The Q Coach and let me know how it's going. I also offer a monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out the blog and other free content. And finally, be sure to share, subscribe, and leave a review as it helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.